Man United, we've got our trophy back. I thought it was really weird when the players were singing that in the dressing room. That's not our trophy. No, it's not. A L- little bit odd. But but that is five League Cups or something like that, so... Yeah, yeah, I guess so, yeah. That's... Yeah. Well, it's silverware, isn't it? Yeah. Another shiny pot. Uh, not Not the best performance. From United, Inter- entertaining game though, wasn't it? And um, a fair chunk of fortune. Although it probably probably would be fair to say that United have had a fair chunk of fortune throughout this whole competition. Uh, when when else did we get lucky? It all blends into one. Well, with the draw. Um, oh yeah, including the true. only hard team we had to play, City, playing their kids' side. The only the only way City could have played a weaker side is if they'd put out a fans eleven. <laughs> I, I seem to remember they had some first team players in that team, but no, yes, we, we definitely uh, we did have a pretty favourable draw, and I guess we were sort of fortunate against Hull in the end. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, we found a way to win, right? That's that's quite big, and yeah, it's something to do with the linesman being absolutely blind and not understanding how offside works. <laughs> See this one, that, some determination from United as well. You know, another late goal. We've had a few this season. It's become almost a bit of a hallmark of the team. Um, uh, but along the way, some not great defending from United. Uh, but it made for an entertaining game. <laughs> it did a very good match for the neutral, as uh, Mourinho slightly acerbically said in his uh, post-match press conference. Is there any tone that he provides that is not acerbic? <laughs> yeah, occasionally he does, like, incredibly jovial. Uh, and it's always it's always takes you back. It takes takes you back a bit when he does that. It does happen from time to time. Um, the the let's start with that goal. Obviously, he's miles onside. The guy that scores it, and the guy isn't by the the way the game is the the rules of the game are currently employed. It's obviously not offside. Um, loads of people have been saying, "Oh, you know, Southampton would have won if they'd had that game goal." And I, I kind of feel like. It's not like they had a last-minute equaliser ruled out for offside. They would have gone 1-0 up. It might have actually woken United up if they'd conceded a goal at that point. Yeah, I mean, I I can't draw a line between uh, an unfortunately disallowed goal from Southampton's point of view and a victory for them at all. I mean, look, credit to Southampton... Uh, and uh, I mean this in the uh, most patronising way possible, you know. They did very well, didn't they? Bless them. Bless them, ah, oh, didums. Uh, no, they, they played some really good football. Um, I thought they made the game, honestly, uh, rather than United. But, um, yeah, there's no line you can draw from that to the goal. It was clearly very unlucky, and uh, I guess if you add up the other ones, it would have been a hat-trick for Gabbiadini. But um wasn't wasn't to be for them, and, and United... You know, scored not long after that, and um, and then the next one, and and should have been in total control. But all the time, you kind of felt that uh, they were vulnerable. Not only was there this massive gap between Herrera and Pogba uh, as the two sort of deeper midfield players, allowing Southampton players to run past them all the time, but I don't know what happened to our fullbacks, but. Neither of them had a particularly good day. Well, I mean, listen, you say what happened to him. One of them is literally Marcus Rocco. So it's like, well, I don't think anything really has to happen to Marcus Rocco for him to be terrible at left-back. He's He's been very good at centre-back all season, but has he had a good game at left-back for Man United? Not too many, yeah. But but United vulnerable down the other flank too, I thought. Um, you know, Valencia's been excellent this season, but uh, he, he is not literally Marcus Rocco, but metaphorically he became... Marcus Rocco <laughs> for 90 minutes or so. Yeah. 
I thought the centre backs were dreadful as well. Actually, yeah, especially Eric Bailly. I mean, you, you kind of you, you know him for some composure, don't you? But he had one of his uh, less composed days. I thought. I, I also thought Smalling. I mean, Gabbiadini's finish was great for a second goal, but Smalling was just asleep. Like he was kind of he, he kind of almost seemed to be. Even if you watch the replay, his facial expression, like the whole thing takes him so much by surprise. Um, I, I don't, it's not like I know, you could say, oh, he should have done X, Y, and Z differently, but his whole approach seemed to be quite lackadaisical, yeah. really. Of course, um, you have a hashtag agenda against Smalling now. You've decided I you do, have to, to sell him. I mean, look, is that kind of game that will prompt Mourinho to spend a large amount of money in the summer on a new centre back? I'm sure. Yeah, yeah. Because you, you'd think, like, by you can kind of sort of almost say, OK, well, this is big game nerves or whatever uh, for him. But, but yeah, there's just the whole collective of the back four just looked a complete shambles and and Southampton could kind of rip them apart at will down both flanks. Like you say, it wasn't just Rocco's side, although the first goal came, the, the, the offside goal came down Rocco's side, didn't it? And he very nearly gave away a penalty and then would have got red carded in the process, probably. Uh, in the build-up to that non-goal, yeah, well, maybe. I mean, it's not um, not obvious that that was a goal-scoring opportunity from that position in the no, pitch. True. But uh, yes, he had a good attempt at taking the guy's legs out, didn't he? Just totally missed. Um, and then uh, I, I guess Mourinho would have made the the carrot change without the goal anyway. Uh, but the goal just before half time kind of made it obvious that United needed needed some more protection in front of the back four. Yeah, um, what did you make of the starting eleven? When when you saw it, what did you make of it? Uh, well, I guess reasonably predictable. He's he's gone for some energy in midfield. I mean, how many choices were there? There was there was a choice about uh, whether Carrot could play or possibly Lingard, um, and which which choices there were in wide areas with no Mkhitaryan. So you know, he he's more often than not gone with Meta. Uh, we're going to make the assumption that Martial plays because he's been getting into some good form. Rashford's never been quite as good on the wing. Ibra obviously plays, so it doesn't leave too many choices, and it probably was a choice between Lingard uh, and Carrick for one place in the team, and Blint or Rocco for the other. Yeah, and and I I feel like he he almost I, I don't think playing Lingard instead of Carrick was a mistake early on. Really, um, I think it was worth a try, especially that four two three one's been working. But the Blint Rocco decision was very odd indeed. I thought just. I mean, Blint, you kind of now, retrospectively, it just looks like he was getting the Sergio Romero treatment and he started the two Europa League games and the FA Cup game. Um, and but, but that didn't say anything about his place in the pecking order. I think given how well he's been playing in those games, it was a, a very strange decision um, to, to play Rocco at left-back because he's right. so bad there, you know. Yeah, uh, Rocco's, when he came back into the team at centre-back, he had a, a whole string of good performances. Uh, but yeah, not on not on the left. I, I do think that was an odd decision. Um, Blint has been playing well in that. It's definitely his best position for United. I mean, I guess all of this underlines the fact that that United will spend money on a left back in the summer. I mean, sure, it doesn't look anywhere near uh, near like coming back into the team. Uh, stories doing the rounds, I guess, prompted by his agent that he's looking for a way out. It's not going to solve his problems if his problems are as previously reported. Um, but, uh, you know, I guess that will... Uh, and, and Jose doesn't like that very much, does he? Uh, agents doing the negotiation about a place in the team. He's not going to take kindly to that. It's not going to speed Shaw's route to the team up uh, by any means. So uh, United will probably buy another left-back. And uh, judging by 
Rocco's performance at Wembley, they need one too. <laughs> anyway, yeah. there's, there's positive stuff. Shall oh, we talk massively. about? Shall we talk about uh, the the wonder that is Zlatan Ibrahimovic? Honestly, and, uh, and that strike for the uh, the the first goal. When uh, when they were lining up, I was looking at it, and I think I said out loud to the person next to me, "Should really let Pogba take this one." <laughs> Yeah, well, we all make mistakes. I think I said there's no way Zlatan would go to score 20 goals this season. <laughs> <laughs> Something like that. Um, just expected it to go straight into the wall like all the others have all season long, but he uh, he didn't half pick his moment to find his free kick mojo, did he? What a goal. L- lovely strike, hit it really cleanly. I, I, I mean, not to take anything away from the strike, which is beautiful, but I do wonder whether Foster could have done better. He's taken a step the wrong way and then not moved quick enough. Uh, I wonder whether Big Dave might not have saved that. I wonder whether Big Dave might not have saved the close-range header late on as well, because Forster does a weird thing with his hands when you watch that in slow motion, um, which is understandable. It's not like you would expect your keeper to save that. But if he'd just made one decision and gone with it instead of kind of slightly waving his hands in indecision, he probably might have even been able to stop it. But anyway, uh, he yeah, it definitely looked like he... he did he dive too early or just just kind of too much anticipation of the ball rather than actually looking at where it was going? I don't know. For the free kick, he's just not got down quick enough and, and he's gone one to the left and then just not moved across quick enough. I mean, look, Zatan has hit it hard, no doubt, but that's, that's a yard inside the post. Um, I think we'd be a little disappointed if, uh, if Dave hadn't done something about that. But, hey, who cares? Um, and then the next goal lovely worked and, you know, we've criticised... Jesse Lingard for his lack of composure. Not at Wembley. <laughs> the Jesse Lingard National Stadium at Wembley. They should sell him the naming rights. Just give them to him. I, I mean, you know, he's done a couple of dabs, then passed it into the corner. Just, just <laughs> lovely. Uh, a beautiful, beautiful moment. Uh, I mean, he had a terrible game. He was so bad. Everyone knows that I like Jesse Lingard a lot as a player, and I think he he gives United some some good stuff and if he was 5% better it would be wonderful because um, like he was constantly giving the ball away and around the edge of the area and it was it was kind of one of the big reasons we couldn't get a lot of interplay going uh, around the area but what a moment and so you know like you say like just pure composure and the, the total opposite of his goal in the FA Cup final he, he just scored all different sorts of goals at Wembley yeah home from home for him uh, which was which was very nice, but uh, United continued to look like a mess at the back, and and Southampton got that goal seconds before half time. I, I I don't know whether it would have changed Mourinho's thinking much. Honestly, I'm I'm quite sure, given the way he is, that he was thinking of making a change anyway, um, uh, because because of you know the, even at two nil up, it didn't look certain that United were um, you know uh, solid in that game, or clearly weren't clearly. No, absolutely. I was kind of surprised that he didn't change uh, the left back at half time, really, because it just looked so so obvious that the back four wasn't working. But I guess I guess because the whole back four wasn't working, there was there was a kind of diffused responsibility, really, and and just changing the left back might not have even done the job. Southampton scored uh, just before half time, then another one not long afterwards, make it two two, and they kind of deserved it, really. Yeah, and then hit the post after that. Um, before United got, sort of got back into the game and uh, f- beautifully worked goal for the winner. I've just looked it up, by the way. Jesse Lingard scored 10 goals for Man United. <laughs> Three of them at Wembley. That's nice. ridiculous. 
Um, but yeah, um, I, I mean, it looked to me, I, I was actually quite impressed with certain things about United as a collective. I was, I was, I was quite impressed by their resilience when it went to 2-2. I mean, it, it's slightly disgraceful that they let it get to that point. Mourinho said, well, you saw the difference that freshness makes because Southampton hadn't played for 15 days um, and and it did look like they were just a much fresher team than United. But I was quite impressed by how solid United got in the last 20 minutes of that game and, and how much they ended up they ended up being the kind of dominant force in the game, really. Um, even though, like over the over the course of the whole thing, they were they were outshot. Southampton had more possession than them, you know. But but by at the end, it kind of looked like United were the were were the better side in the last twenty minutes. Yeah, I think that's right. And look, um, Mourinho does like to make excuses, doesn't he? he? Likes to get them in first. And and the thing about freshness is true because United played four games in you know eleven days or whatever, and and Southampton hadn't played for ages. Fair enough, but uh, like, real determination from United at the end. Uh, nice build-up uh, to to score the goal, but yeah, they've been growing into that. It did look like United were on top towards the end. Um, lovely dinked ball from Herrera, who had a fine game, I thought, you know, because um, Romeo and Davis in Southampton, Southampton's midfield full of running and energy, aren't they? You know, United needed to counter that, and... And uh, yeah, Herrera's popped up, dinked the ball in for Zlatan to head it straight at the keeper, who thankfully dived out of the way. So between the 70th and the 87th minute when the goal was scored, United had 60% of possession and six shots to, to Southampton's two, which sort of backs up that thinking that it felt like right. that. Um, as, as a friend of the show, uh, James, said um, before he put on Twitter in a tweet that has done big numbers. So Zlatan heads the ball away. There's a shot at goal, which Zlatan saves with his head and it goes behind for a corner. He heads the corner away. Uh, the ball kind of comes back by which time he's he's got a little bit further up the pitch and it's fed to him to start the counter-attack. He finds Martial. Then Martial does his business and Zlatan waits, waits and waits and waits then makes his run into the box just at, at the move. I thought Martial did really well. In, he got maybe a tiny bit lucky, but I think he might have almost meant what happened. And it was so smart of him to pick out Herrera instead of shooting himself for that goal. And and just a beautiful pass from Herrera, so perfectly weighted. And and as um, as Karate Jesus on Twitter pointed out, uh, you can hear the roar of expectation before the goal goes in as a whole end realises it's coming to Ibrahimovic unmarked in the six-yard box. Yeah, um, that's Ibra all over, wasn't it, that goal? Uh, yeah, um, real massive performance from United, uh, from Ibra for United. Uh, a couple of fine goals for him and and the winning goal in a cup final. And he did like to make it all about him after the game, didn't he? He said, that's my 32nd trophy. And then, then he tweeted about it. Then he did a couple of interviews about it. But uh, he, um, he stopped three times in the mix zone. <laughs> like, play, most players don't stop once. He stopped once for, like, the sky cameras. Then he stopped for um, local and a couple of national journalists. And then he stopped again for some international journalists. Like, it were, and he gave some amazing quotes. Um, he kind of said, I'm a lion, which was good. And then he was asked uh, where he keeps all his medals and he goes, I've got a separate house for them. <laughs> nice. <laughs> really uh, I reckon he's the United's second best free transfer 
ever. Uh, hold on, let me see if I can work out who who's the best. I'll give you a few clues. No, go on. So um, he played for what you might consider a rival. Um, In fact, he was kind of aggressively um, anti-United. Signed on a free transfer, became a real kind of um, fan favourite, I'd say, Uh, even to the point of of trolling the opposition, which has kind of solidified his place as a club legend. You got it yet? I'm really embarrassed. This is going to be so obvious when I don't when I when you tell me who it is. All right, it's Duncan Castles. <laughs> okay, good. That's good. No, I'm kidding, obviously. Yeah, yeah. clearly Zlatan, isn't it? There can't have been a better free transfer for United than Zlatan. Twenty-five goals. Yeah, it's ridiculous, isn't it? And and for all the talk about, you know, the games, I mean, there was the dry spell and there's been the games where we've kind of needed him to score because otherwise no one else was going to because of the way the team was set up. But ultimately, it's been a phenomenally successful experiment. Mourinho said only a silly player would come to England at 35. Like he was he was he was asked, why did you kind of gamble on Zlatan? Like, what do you think it was about you? And he said, well, first of all, he's played for me before. And second of all, only a silly player at the age of 35 would come to England uh, when he's got all the options available to him that he does have if he's not absolutely certain he's going to be a success. So he said that essentially he didn't deserve any of the credit for it. Zlatan deserved the credit. And as soon as Zlatan was confident that he could do it, he was confident in his ability to do it. And He's done it, he's doing it, and it's beautiful. Mourinho was also asked, you know, remember a few months ago, he said basically that the contract extension was all but done. This seems a lot less certain now, but he did say, look, I've never begged a player to to stay in my whole career. When Zlatan left me to go to Barcelona, I was very sad, but I didn't beg him to stay. But maybe Man United fans could go around his house and convince him. <laughs> Send the uh, education committee round, right? Yeah, so I don't know whether he was specifically referring to Man United fans in black balaclavas, but it well, was it's definitely... worked in the past, hasn't it? Quite hundred percent success rate on that particular tactic. Not that I'm recommending it. Um, I, I'm, I'm thinking Zlatan might confront them as well, <laughs> and he's probably hard enough to. Uh, I, you know, is it? They, there's a one-year option on the deal. Uh, I guess it's not a two, two-way one-year option in that case. If United are concerned about not being able to invoke it, mm, yeah, exactly. So we'll, we'll see what happens. And and Zlatan almost seemed to slightly equivocate on it. And and I wonder if if that was that's just to do with his body because he must be exhausted. And he he looked it for a, for a change. He actually looked exhausted at the end of that game. Yeah. Which he he almost never Mate, does. He already turned um, China down. What does he need a few more millions for? <laughs> um, I th- I don't even think it's about money though, is it? No. I think it's about whether he thinks he can do it again another season like this. Yeah, no, true. And and you know, if it was about money, the the difference between earning fifteen million a year and thirty million a year is it's not life changing. No, it's not. Um, and and if it was about money, he wouldn't have come to United. Like, I'm sure, I'm sure we're paying him very, very well. But it's not the move that you make just for money, is it? At that point in your career, no. So um, after the game, Mourinho said, "Oh, this is not a platform; it's just another win." And uh, but I'm not sure that's true, is it? Surely, you know, this is he's uh, he, he's going to keep his job. Um, I presume, even if United don't make it into the top four, which is still possible. Uh, and um, it's uh, it's going to give confidence to the players. 
Uh, it's great for the fans. It, it After last year's FA Cup win, it gives a sense of momentum around the club again. The sponsors will like it. Uh, it is a platform. Yes, it is. But I think, I wonder whether some of his kind of, you know, pretty downbeat shtick after the game was to do with the fact that United played terribly. Um, and maybe he's doing that kind of slightly faux respectful thing or genuine respectful thing to the uh, the opposition manager where he doesn't want to be seen to be crowing when United have played not that, not so well. But, you know, he said, like, it's it's another one ticked off the list. It's one, it's it's something that's been on our minds, which we can now put out of our minds um, about that, about the game rather than, rather than a platform, which, you know, is a kind of interesting way to approach it and I just I think he's also maybe maybe a little bit trying to moderate against expectations because we're still in these the all these different trophies but now we're still in three competitions if you obviously we're not going to win the league but the the two other cup competitions have kind of scuppered each other a little bit haven't they because we we got drawn against Rostov, uh, which is which is not a bad draw in terms of the teams we're playing, but it means we're going to Russia on the Thursday night before we play Chelsea on the Monday night in the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's brutal, right? So, w- which one does he prioritise there? Uh, Chelsea clearly going to be favourites for that game anyway, uh, and then a five-hour flight or whatever it is uh, when you you're going to land back in the early hours of of Thursday Friday morning leaving one day rest and no preparation. Horrible. It's, it's really tough. And, you know, of course, Mourinho would probably emotionally want to prioritise the Chelsea game, but it's just not an option. You you have to prioritise the Europa League because of the Champions League plate that's up for grabs and because it's just so much more of a winnable fixture. Not that I don't think we could beat Chelsea. I do. If we had a, a fair wind and a clear run at them, I, I don't even think I'd be that worried about it. Not, like, massively overconfident or anything, but just... I don't think it's the end of the world playing them in isolation, but it's going to be incredibly tricky given the way the fixtures fall. Um, it was uh, it was lovely to see the celebrations. The players looked absolutely delighted, like properly over the moon. And it really reminded me of 2005, the League Cup win that Rooney and Ronaldo, when Rooney and Ronaldo won their first trophy together. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's a proper celebration. It looked like they had a great uh, time in the the dressing room afterwards. All the players joined in, even those that uh, were injured or not selected for the squad. Um, It's the kind of thing that bonds the team together. Yeah, I, I I don't know whether that means that United are now going to go on a few years of winning stuff or not, uh, but it's it's definitely a positive step on the way. Uh, Rooney, by the way, lovely to see his apparently it looked very genuine his delight for his teammates and stuff. Um, there was a good bit in the first half where Rooney and Carrick were warming up on the touchline, and they basically just stopped warming up and started stretching next to each other for ages. Stretching being a strong word, especially on Rooney's part, he was just sort of standing there, and they were just having a lovely old chat on the Wembley sidelines, you know, watching the team that they've won so many trophies for on their way to winning another trophy. It was it was like the old the old chaps having a it was like Statler and Waldorf on the sidelines. Yeah. <laughs> this is rubbish. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, no, I, I, it was genuine, wasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I think so. His jump and, you know, punch in the air to celebrate United's winner, um, I'm sure. And uh, he, he didn't get on the pitch, uh, but he's also apparently turned down a move to China during the middle of the, the winter, which, you know, not sensible all round, I think, really. Um, and I presume he will leave 
in the summer. And we'll see if he manages to score goal 251 before then. <laughs> Let's see. Um, given that there's only one game, uh, we've got loads of time to take extra Rankast questions. Uh, shall, we, shall we fire away? All right, if we have to. At Derry Aldrich says, Rude or Ibra? Well, Rude did it for more seasons, of course. Ibra's had one. Uh, let's, uh, let, let's park that question till the end of next season, shall we? What about if you take their careers as a whole? Well, Ibra has probably had a better career, certainly won more trophies. Uh, Rude, Rude did all right when he went to um, Real Madrid. Uh, he, I mean, he didn't win a lot of trophies at United, did he? He was unfortunate enough to not have a great team around him when he was here. Um, uh, he scored a phenomenal amount of goals in Holland, but then again, that means absolutely nothing, does it? <laughs> Zlatan's phenomenal number of goals in France. Um, yeah. So, that's... yeah, I mean, Ibra's had a better career. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what's more enjoyable, asks at E. Coney's, Zlatan and Pogba on the field or Zlatan and Pogba in an interview? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's good, both of them. Uh, they seem to play off each other in both scenarios. Yeah, it was so... Um, Zlatan, Pogba said, he was asked about Zlatan, he said, you know, that's why we bought him. And Zlatan's like, didn't buy me, mate. I came on a free, they bought you. <laughs> good. Yeah. It's really good. Um, at Borkarabijit says, how long do you think Mata will stay at United? I think until he retires as chief executive and they rename the stadium after him. <laughs> well, no. Um, but no, he's going to stay for a while. Uh, he's on a new contract, didn't he? Or am I making that up? Uh don't know. Hmm. I, I uh, would... And, and look, in any case, he, he plays more often than not. If we sign Neymar and Griezmann this summer, though, I don't think he's going to stay. We'll see. Um, quite good, though, isn't it? It would. Uh, uh, as we mentioned last week, I, I am in Barcelona, so I'm going to the game on uh, <laughs> to... Wednesday night. So he's against Sporting Gijon. So uh, by the time you listen to this, uh, Barcelona will have won 8-0 or something. Um... They're not, they're not in good shape at the moment, actually, are they? No, that's why Neymar wants out, wants to come to a team on the up. Apparently Mourinho's been on the phone to Neymar. I can't imagine a world in which we sign Neymar this summer, but, you know, things happen in life. Mm. Well, I hope they do the due diligence properly and, and uh, get their accounting right and all of that, because, uh, uh, one, due diligence, make sure he's not going to prison before we buy him. It'd be rather unfortunate. And get the accounting right, because there's been some dodgy stuff with Neymar in the past. At Andy United, if, if Ed Woodward can do anything, it's get the accounting right. Um, at Andy United, so much as to our, like, sadly, Ed Woodward's really good at accounting. Like, he basically nearly destroyed our club through accounting, uh, but then ended up making it sort of work. Um, where would we be now, asked at Andy United, if Zlatan had signed for us rather than PSG? I'm going to say a pretty similar place, really. I don't... Yeah, and, and no idea. I mean, yeah, one player doesn't make a team. I, uh, you know, evidence being rude. Uh, year 2001 to 2005. Yeah, absolutely. Um, at That Mash Guy says, is Jose's long-term plan, 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, keeps persisting even though it doesn't work against anyone even half decent? I guess he means with the 4-2-3-1, but I, I actually think there's been a lot of games where the 4-2-3-1's really helped us, and I think having both in the locker is good. Yeah, I mean, all season long it's been a trade-off, and, and it's not a trade-off between these two systems per se, but between the players United have, so... Can we get the best out of Pogba when he's playing slightly deeper? Um, he does less gifable stuff. 
uh, when he's in a deeper position, can't get as forward as quite as freely without there being an impact on United's defence. I mean, you know, he's he's fine there, you know, and um, I think uh, Tarek wrote a piece on the the blog this week to say he's adapted well to that position and now he's he's better in that role. Um, and, and, you know, in playing 4-2-3-1, United can play a playmaker. There's quite a few players in the squad, obviously, who can play that role. It helps Zlatan because it helps players get nearer to him. 4-3-3 liberates Pogba, um, allows United to push players uh, from wide areas in support of Zlatan. And, and so there's, you know, there's good arguments for both, I'd say. Yeah, and, and we saw the benefits of uh, the 4-3-3 and Pogba in the last 20 minutes of the game at the League Cup. I, I, I hardly looked at Twitter during the game, um, and then afterwards, I saw loads of people really having a go at Pogba's performance, and I just thought it was bizarre. I don't think he was amazing for maybe the first half of that game, but but especially late on in the second half, he he really was phenomenal. Um, anyway, the, the discussion around him remains bizarre. It does, it does, but it's it's about expectations and uh, expectations that the world's most expensive player should be the best player on the pitch all the time. And often he is, but he doesn't do the flashy stuff. Like you know, if he'd bang one in top corner now and again, it would change. Uh, it would change many minds, I'm sure. Um, at Rigsy underscore Red Devil says, "Do you think the Jones Rocco defensive partnership looks better than the Bayi Smalling one?" Uh, y- well, yeah. it probably did. So though, you know, I'm not sure we're comparing apples for apples. Really, it's United at a different stage in the season, been playing different opponents, but uh, Smalling's definitely had a very uncertain season. Um, at AB5Y, friend of the show, says, Mourinho thinks begging is beneath him, but sh- but is OK with United fans doing it. Should Woodward wait till the end of the season to fire him? It's <laughs> <laughs> good. Um, I think he was having a little jokey jokes. Uh, Did Zlatan get lucky? Asks at Steve Davy 71 Should Forster have done better straight at him? Textbook says low and to the corners. Uh, I- yeah, yeah, I think the power's done Forster, but he was he was slow on both of those Latin goals, I think. Yeah, and it, like I said, his hands do a strange in and out wave motion instead of like one smooth motion. He's doing a Donald Trump impression, wasn't he? <laughs> Small hands. Um, wow, that was that's is that the longest we've got without mentioning him in a show? No, I think we got to near the end of the show the other week. Um, who should be captain next season if Rooney and Carrick leaves, says at Pranav Meta, who also says a very nice thing about our show. So thanks, Pranav. Um, who should be captain next season if Rooney or Car- and Carrick leave? Um, well, Smalling's had it a couple of times, but uh, he might not be there or it's not certain to be in the team. And I guess you give it to Zlatan, don't you? <laughs> I guess so, yeah. I think next season you give it to Zlatan, then he passes it to Herrera. That makes sense. Uh, at Megan Atterbury says, can you get Zlatan's number for me? Sorry, Meg, I don't have it. Um, 1-800-ZLAT. At <laughs> <laughs> um, LHS underscore TCM, any love for Ibra? Oh, so much love for Ibra. Um, <laughs> Mr T75 saying, who will be United's long-term left-back? It doesn't rhyme with Boho. No, I think we know it's going to be someone new, don't we? Um, and at Stan underscore Chow says, who will fill Zlatan and Carrick's boots? Well, I don't know, but it's not always like for like, is it? And I think we've seen that over the years with big personalities from United who needed to be replaced. It's very, very infrequent that United just go out and buy a, 
a replacement player. You know, we lost Robson. Not sure that we filled that hole with the same type of player. Keenan had a decent United careers. Lost Keen, never really replaced him like for like. Um, you know, if Carrick was Keane's replacement, then maybe we'll get someone completely different to replace Carrick. We lost Cantona, Teddy Sheringham, not the same kind of player at all, um, and so on. So it's it's about the collective and, and uh, United will upgrade in a few positions over the summer. One of them will be um, a new central midfielder, at least one or two, and it may well be a more physical type central midfielder than, than Carrick. There aren't too many direct replacements for Carrick out there in European football. I mean, Verratti would be the closest, but he would cost a phenomenal amount of money. Yeah, um, Statman Dave was saying uh, that Fabinho has been playing in centre midfield uh, yeah. for Monaco and has a kind of slightly Carrick-esque quality to his passing and stuff, which is interesting because United you know, obviously linked it with him as a right-back option, weren't they? So, But Mourinho loves a specialist... Yes, I'm quite sure a, a number of clubs around Europe will, will be pillaging Monaco's team over the summer. They've got this striker, right? He's got a really good goal in the Champions League. Maybe we should get him to replace uh, Absolutely Zlatan. ruined John Stones, didn't he? Right. I, did, I mean, did we talk if about I was John this last Stones, week? Yeah, we probably did, but I still can't get yeah. it off. Uh, you know, just, I'd, take, I'd take six months off if I was John Stones. I'd think about retirement. <laughs> Falcao should have taken six months off a couple of years ago, but instead he sort of accidentally took six months off right. coming to us. Um, so we have got the more sort of run-of-the-mill fare of a home league game against Bournemouth, but this is massive. I mean, I barely remember the last time we played in the Premier League, but um, Liverpool lost again, uh, leaving that window of opportunity that's been keeping on cracking open and we just get our fingers trapped in it when we try and climb through it all season long. But surely, Ed, surely we are not going to muck up a home tie with Bournemouth Well, I mean, Bournemouth who just can't stop losing at the moment uh, and leak goals all over the place. Um, so, what did they lose last time out? They lost uh, lost to West Brom, they lost to City, didn't they? Got spanked by Everton. Um I think they lost a home to Palace as well. So, um, yeah, shocking run of form. Uh, they, I don't know. Will they be all right this season? Not. It's not clear that they will be, really. 20-something 20 points um, been dropping down the table. Uh, Eddie Howe under a bit of pressure. And it's all because they can't stop conceding goals. They haven't won a game this year, uh, by the looks of the thing, unless I've missed something on this list. Yeah, they, they last won a game on the 31st of December when they beat Swansea 3-0 at the kind of the depth of Swansea's despair. Um, since then, they've drawn with Arsenal 3 all. That was a very weird game, wasn't it, um, at Bournemouth. Lost 3-0 to Millwall in the cup game they threw away, but then lost in the, the league game they threw it away for. Um, and, they've yeah, they've, they've got two draws this year and everything else has been, been a loss. And... Uh, they're yeah. not particularly good on the road, like like you said. Everton put six past them at Goodison Park, and we are we're scoring goals and not conceding many goals. And it's going to take a disaster for United to mess this up. I mean, it could happen, but it would be a disaster. I, I mean, I think that they're the kind of team that uh, Gary never would hate. You know, they're all a bit tippy tappy, uh, but it doesn't really go anywhere, and they 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 lose goals in the transition all the time. You know, and and you can expect United to do that. Bournemouth will have some possession at some points, not not necessarily all of it, 
Um, and United will score goals on the break against them. I'm sure, you know, they they seem to have zero confidence, especially, you know, if they take a lead, they lose it all the time. The, their back four makes a ton of errors. You know, it's a real mess. That, 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 against Arsenal, they were just so mentally weak. And then when they got spanked by Everton, um, and at some point they got back into the te- the side, the, the game, didn't they, after Everton scored a couple of goals, two or three goals they were up. Um, but just didn't have the mental fortitude to to hold on, you know. Just kept making mistakes. I, I you know, I'd be if I was Bournemouth fan, I'd be worried um, looking at how they're playing at the moment. And you know, I'd expect United to to win this one reasonably comfortably. I think uh, Mkhitaryan being there will be massive um, because if there's a player you want in the team against a team that loses loads of goals in transition, it's Mkhitaryan because him and Herrera form such an incredibly effective pressing unit in the opposition half. They just steal the ball far up the pitch all the time. Um, and that combination could be really like devastating against a team that's not very good in those situations. Uh, the one thing I guess we'd have to watch out for is just if Bournemouth get a kind of backs to the wall you know, if, if Eddie Howe decides that this is the time he's going to finally give up on his, uh, you know, on his footballing philosophy and park the bus. But he has shown, shown no signs of doing that so far this season. So They're not even set up to do that, even no. if they wanted to. No, no I, I think they'll they will come out and they will try and attack United. And um, and I expect that to play into United's hands. Yeah, and, and, you know, we really just desperately need it to, don't we? Because... It's all the running towards the end of the season gets really, really difficult. We need to we need to put together. I mean, it's hard for us to put together a, a run in the league at the moment because we're playing so few league games. But we do just really need to put a, a run together uh, whenever we do get the opportunity. Because you know, I mean, it's kind of all or nothing, really. Uh, it's it's genuinely the case that this is a this is a must win game because uh, we if we win this at least temporarily we would go fourth I think um because Arsenal and Liverpool play each other later that day uh I think there's there's almost no way and no nah, unless we win like nine nil and Liverpool and Arsenal draw um we're not we're not going to stay in fourth um but we we, we would leapfrog Liverpool if we if we win this uh, unless they beat Arsenal so you know there's just nothing in it. There's five points between us and second, and we've got a game in hand. And it's the, you know, just got to win the games. It's really reductive and obvious, but I don't really know what else to say about it other than we really need to win. No, and you know, you do worry about the running and and uh, all those tough games that are coming. United is going to have to improve the record against the top six. Uh, do you think that we learn anything about the quality or character of United from that League Cup final? Because I, I was, I think, like, I was, I was thinking before that game, we need a proper display in a big game after the Liverpool game, which came on the run of all of the back of all those good wins. We kind of fell apart at the first sign of real pressure, and and there's an extent to which we did here too. But but then they did show the character and quality, not just character but quality. To, to come through and win the game. And, and they are under quite difficult physical circumstances given given how much football they've played lately. Um, but yeah, I just, I wonder what, what you make of, of what that taught us about where we're at. Uh, I, I, well, you know, there are some defensive weaknesses. Uh, we don't always get the balance right. Uh, there's plenty of mental strength to keep pushing on. You know, I guess um, those, I, I'm hoping those two things don't balance themselves out in those big games and that United can 
find a way to to uh, defend better. Although it's not, it's like, I don't want to characterize that as bad defending all season because it definitely hasn't been. Um, but also create enough chances at the other end when they do defend better in, in those big games. It's definitely going to decide. You know, games against Arsenal, Spurs, City. Have we played Liverpool again? No, I think we've played them twice. We might have played them twice, yeah, yeah. So um, Arsenal, Liverpool and Spurs and Chelsea. Um, big, big, big games. And, and big season-defining games. And in a way, these these smaller home games... Uh, home games against smaller sides have, have defined our season so far in in that the failure to win them is why we're not further up the table. So, you know, even though there is no logical... There's no logical reason why a Bournemouth team in absolutely terrible form shouldn't get destroyed by a United team with with the quality we've got. I still find it really difficult to be fully confident that it's going to go well because there's just been situations like that a lot this season where we haven't done the job. Yeah, I mean, obviously more cup games coming up and, and we talked about that Europa FA Cup double, a real pain. Um, it's uh, it's Bournemouth, then Southampton again, then Borough um, this month. Then uh, home game against Everton, a big one, that one, I guess. Everton in decent form this season. Away at Sunderland, you know, there's plenty of winnable games and then West Brom after that uh, before we get to Chelsea, right? You kind of almost feel United have to win all of those league games before that Chelsea league game. League game, right, right, right. I've just looked at the calendar... Been merrily here doing a preview of Bournemouth and thinking, oh, well, that's that's kind of nearly the end of the show. But I think we're playing the first leg of Rostov this week, aren't we? Not this week, but like after the Bournemouth game. Um, so I guess we should talk a little bit about that because, yeah, it's the 9th of March. I thought we had a, a week between the Bournemouth game and then another league game, but we don't. It's, Bo- it's Bournemouth, then um, Rostov, Chelsea, Rostov. Uh, so I guess we should talk a little bit about Rostov. Uh, Ed, what do you know about them? <laughs> you absolute... <laughs> <laughs> That's what I know about them. Um, they're not doing very well in the Russian league. They're Russian. Oh, yeah, they are Russian. Yeah, they are Russian. No, no, no I, that's what I know about them. They're Russian. Uh, Russian league table. I'm Googling this to get the facts right. I think they're fifth. This is before I look at the league. Because I think I looked... Well, it's about right for a UEFA Cup side, isn't seventh. it? Seventh. They are seventh in the Russian league. I think we should win this game based on the fact that we are theoretically much better than the team that's seventh in the Russian league. How long's the flight to? Well, it's it's right on the west of Russia, I think. Yeah, yeah. So it won't be as long as it would as it maybe could be, but still, still got to be five hours, I'd say. It's uh, and it's just a turnaround that's the problem. Uh, with that kind of length of flight, you don't you don't get back until the very early hours, and which ruins your next day. So um, they just there's no little or no training in between matches, uh, and, and of course you know the standard of the Premier League higher than the standard in the Russian Premier League. Uh, Rostov not playing well. Rostov no big names uh, to mention. I'm not definitely not a football hipster enough to watch mid-table Russian football. Sorry. I'm pretty sure I've never heard of anyone in the Rostov squad. I'm just going down the list and looking. 37-year-old Spanish defender called Cesar Navas. I don't think I know who that is. Yeah, no, no idea. They've not got anyone who scored more than four goals in the league so far. 
Uh, that's Dimitri Polos, four goals and five assists. He's the danger man. Got to watch out for Dimitri Polos. Yeah, I was thinking that. I have to say, yeah, concerned about his um, dangerousness. <laughs> yeah, we're playing Rostov on Thursday. Good luck to everyone that's going out there. Stay safe. Is that uh, weather? Thursday's game's away. Yeah, it is away the first leg. Yeah, that's, that's the thing, because it's away, then Chelsea. That's that's the really nasty thing. Woof. Yeah. That's a that's a bitch. Do you know, um, David Bentley once played for FC Rostov. Did he really? Yeah. When you say once, do you mean like he literally played one game and then it was like, man, I'm not, I can't be, can't be doing with this. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. I just, uh, he did. Okay. Fun fact. It's a good fun fact. It's the only one that that I've got. Um, if if I'd thought that we were doing a preview of Rostov, might have done like fractionally more research than this. Um, I'm gonna. Uh, we got to predict scores because we always do. Uh, I'm gonna three nil against Bournemouth. Okay. I'm going for. Oh, that's nice. That would be lovely. I'm going for 2-0 against Bournemouth. Um, and the Rostov, I mean, I think it's abundantly clear that we are not, we do not have the requisite information to make a, pr- a prediction of the score in the Rostov game. So let's do it anyway. Uh, <laughs> it's never stopped us having a, a, an invalid opinion in the past, isn't no, it? No, absolutely it? not. Uh, I'm going to go for one all. I think he'll, uh, he'll make a few changes. Do you think so? You don't think he's going to go all out for that game? Considering considering he considering sure. he hardly made any changes for the away leg in Saint-Étienne when we were three 0 up. Yeah, no, no, about four or five changes. So you know, let's um, and he he has done that. Yeah, he has. Yeah, two a two one win, a two one win to Man United. Just because it's nice when we win, isn't it? So I'm going to predict a nice thing happening just for fun. Um, but what I will definitely predict is that there will be more content for Patreon backers, including uh, extra Q and A segment this month. Uh, if you so stay tuned if you're a backer if you're not uh head over to rankcast.com uh, patreon.com slash rankcast um we should also say that the interviews and stuff that we've had i mean we haven't had any today but uh, we had two last week all of those are made possible by the fact that we've we've got a bit of uh, extra time we can put into the show because of the patron so massive thanks to everyone who's doing who supported us there. If you want to get hold of us, I'm on Twitter at UTD Rankcast. Ed is on Twitter at United Rant. We're on Facebook, or at least stuff gets auto-posted to Facebook. And once every six months, I think, oh, better look at the Facebook. Um, And, yeah, so uh, if you're not a backer, see you next week. If you are, stay tuned. See you then.